Welcome to series two of my podcast stories of unconscious bias. I'm Smitha Tharoor. In series one, I had the great privilege of hearing stories of unconscious bias from some wonderful people about a wide range of topics. I laughed, cried and was moved in equal measure. I started this series because I wanted the listeners to realize that we are not alone. All of us have similar stories. They may not be the exact same, but when we hear them, we can hear the parallels in our lives. My speakers have all shared their learning and how they manage their unconscious biases, which is also a wonderful life lesson for us. Series 2 will follow the same style of interview. I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you so very much for joining this conversation with me uh to talk and explore unconscious bias. Listeners, I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Gida Ibrahim. Having lived and worked in five countries, Dr. Gida Ibrahim is a global citizen with many hats, a technologist, a data scientist, a tech for good entrepreneur, a community builder, a lecturer, a speaker who's appeared on TEDx, a World Economic Forum appointed domain expert, and if that's not enough, when the occasion allows a stand up comedian that's so amazing gida thank you so very much for joining this conversation on the unconscious bias thank you so much smita for having me so as we're talking about unconscious bias i thought we should set the scene first by just looking at these two words what yes. what do you understand by these two words unconscious bias yes so i think um unconscious bias as you mentioned towards unconscious and bias um in my opinion unconscious bias is kind of an, of an opinion not necessarily rooted in fact that an individual or a group of of people have about a person in particular or often more often it's about a community that has something in common so this something in common could be same culture same religion same ethnicity um it could be also like a given profession like having a bias against lawyers let's say or something like that um and it's unconscious because uh, like people are not aware that it's an opinion it's not necessarily rooted in facts they think that what they're expressing or like their opinion towards this person or this community is actually factual which uh, often it it isn't and it can be a one to one it can be a one to many and it could be in most cases many to many uh, so like many communities or many people have an opinion against like another group of people which represent a different community and often these things uh, come out of ignorance of the other i would say that's brilliant and in fact it can be uh, even something much smaller than communities it could even be perhaps a, a football team uh, not yeah. that i uh, i am a football follower <laughs> but uh, but you know perhaps you love manchester united and i love arsenal and yeah. based on on just that i don't have a very high opinion of you as a person purely because you don't follow the same football team that i do um yeah. so so that's that's a, that's a brilliant example um and certainly a lot of research has been done on that and how we as as groups because we feel safe in our own groups we group together and then make assumptions either good or bad yeah. uh, about some other group uh, which is very interesting and in fact just to continue that you know when i was reading out your your introduction um 
the work that that stood out for me, other than, of course, the incredible accomplishments that you've already had and continue to have, were the two words global citizen. Now, I certainly see myself as a global citizen, but it was interesting because often, you know, I have had the privilege of traveling in different parts of the world and very often we can have what we call the taxi driver conversation. So they say, where are you from? And Mm. I have lived in London for 30 years, but instinctively my answer is always India. Mm. And then some taxi driver might say, so which part of India are you from? And I always say Kerala. This was very interesting because I have never lived in Kerala. (laughs) I have been brought up in India, in Bombay and Calcutta and and Rajasthan and Delhi, and never lived in Kerala for more than one month at any stretch. Yet there was a unconscious, instinctive, implicit reaction that I hadn't given a second thought to when a stranger was saying, where do you come from? So that began to make me think about identity and unconscious biases around identity. And yes, I see myself as a global citizen like you do. But yet here was my answer when I was asked that question. So when you're hearing stories like this, Gita, what kind of stories come to your mind? So, like, I've, I've been in, in similar situations, and I feel like I also maybe subjected others to, to similar situations. So, like, I would be meeting a taxi driver or an Uber driver, and they would ask this person, so where are you from? And this person would tell me, oh, I'm from London. And sometimes I find myself asking, no, but originally, where are you from? And then I realized, like, no, this is a very wrong question. Like, this person probably, like, grew up in London or lived most of their life in London. So they are truly uh, a Londoner. And I think, like, similar thing has happened uh, to me. Like, um, I I grew up in Lebanon. So, like, my home is, is Lebanon, obviously. I moved to France when I was 19 for studies. And at some point, I became a French citizen. But I still always got this question. Like, uh, yeah, like you're not really French. Where are you originally from? You have like some accent. Um, and like, I, I kind of never fully felt like I am considered as a fully French person. But then I realized that many other people who grew up in, in France, uh, but are not originally like their parents, let's say, or their grandparents are not originally from there are still being considered by the vast majority as not fully French. So this is like, a part of the unconscious bias that manifests itself. And not only like France was one example, but but I think we kind of encounter this kind of situation everywhere. Absolutely. Yes, you're so right. Um, I mean, but so tell us a little bit more, uh, Gida, because you've had some uh, exceptional, unusual circumstances. And, and forgive me for sounding slightly uh, patronizing, and I don't mean to, but you are also very young. Uh, if I'm correct, you are only 32 years old and you have already achieved as much as you have in a very short period of time. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your your experiences of when you, know, you left at the age of 19 and what kind of unconscious biases either you may have experienced from somebody else or perhaps you yourself had. Uh, let's hear about your stories and unconscious bias. Yes, uh, thank you, Smita. I mean, I feel like, um, like I don't, I don't like to look at my life in terms of achievements. It's more of like an experiment, and I think I've been very privileged to give myself the freedom to experiment, uh, and it opened the door to to many things beyond actually experiment beyond beyond biases. That's that's what that's what I would invite your your audience to do. So, um, coming back to to your question, 
Smithab. So I feel like the first bias uh, that I kind of like started um, encountering uh, was still like when I was still in Lebanon. So, you know, like Lebanon is a very small country, but it's a very diverse country. We have almost like 18 religions or sects within within religions. And it's kind of a very fortunate situation because you grow up in many communities and you don't know, like I, I, I grew up in a very like kind of like uh, agnostic house. Um, and we were always told that religion is being a good, a good human being. Um, and then like this, this was really like, for me, religion was humanity and the basic human decency that that was it. But when I started uni and I did my first like years of uni in, in Lebanon, um, I went into another part of the country and there I started experiencing some kind of biases that were based on some perception of my religion or the religion that I was born into independently of whether I was practicing this religion or not. Uh, so this was like the first kind of like biases I encountered around like how women should look like in a given religion. Uh, this this was the, fir the first thing. Uh, and then the second thing is was, was when I moved to, to France. And of course, there are like a lot of biases um, against like this immigrant coming from from the Middle East. Uh, they have all these kind of like assumptions that maybe you were oppressed where you are, where in reality I was not oppressed at all. And I was very fortunate to grow up in a family uh, that was so supportive of, of my dreams and of me like getting better and better in life. Actually, I made a stand up around my mom and dad being a little bit protected in the sense that they didn't want me to get into very serious relationships very young because they wanted me to kind of be free and accomplish uh, whatever I could accomplish and, and basically build my own identity before being shaped by someone else's identity very early in life. So I felt like the, there was some kind of like bias there and I had always to justify as a woman from the Middle East that actually I was not oppressed and actually I was quite free to take my own decisions and, and all these things. So this was a second type of bias. The third type of bias uh, was more related to working in tech. Um, as you know, Smita, uh, tech is one of these um, domains where the disparity um, between like men and women, uh, unfortunately, is still still very big. And even in big tech companies like where I work, uh, where like there are very um, targeted uh, efforts around diversity and inclusion. If you look into technical positions, the gap between men and women is still, is still quite, quite significant. Um, so being a woman working working in tech, um, I did experience and my previous experiences, like I worked in the Netherlands before and I did the PhD before in France, I did I did feel in many instances forms of biases, like people kind of not really believing that I work in a very technical position or even in meetings like addressing my manager instead of addressing me. And for instance, if they have a question or let's say like a request for some analysis or some work to be done, they would always CC my manager because like they feel like, oh, she must not be accountable enough. So I did encounter um, many biases like this, especially when I started a new position and especially in the instance that I was kind of like really young. Uh, so this mixture of being foreign and young and woman um, really like um, made made did put me in some like awkward situations. Like I remember once walking into a meeting room and it was full of men, middle aged, or 
like even even older uh, and like they literally told me that I think we think you you're in the wrong room like they didn't think I, I got into the right room um, so yeah I mean um, this kind of biases definitely uh, exist so I would say these are like the three big biases mm. I have so experienced. that's that's really interesting Ida because I've as you said there are three three different things and I'm, I'm just for the for the listeners and for my own sake uh, I'm kind yeah. of recapping my understanding one I think is what I call a very powerful instinctive unconscious uh, positive bias and yeah. that is about how we are all brought up mm. how we are brought up impacts on how we see the world now yeah. you have the privilege of being brought up by your parents in a non-denominational agnostic liberal, um, yeah. you know, secular, encouraging, accepting family. Yeah. Therefore, you assumed your unconscious bias was, surely the world is exactly how I know the world. Exactly. And yeah. that is how we all see it. And then you arrived at university and shock horror. Mm -hmm. That world was completely different from that lovely, beautiful world mm -hmm. that you had grown up in. Yeah. So that, that is such a powerful story. And, you know, one, I'm just kind of breaking up the wonderful different things that you've shared with us. Um, yeah. Because all of us will look back on our upbringing and our childhood um, and hopefully the listeners are thinking about their own upbringing when they're hearing your story and thinking, oh, yes, and this is how I was brought up. And that's obviously why I am thinking X, Y, Z. I didn't even know it was an unconscious bias. That's your power. That's that's good for you. And of course, yeah. um, it also helps you in, in your own identity because you were very confident in your identity but you were you were questioned when you went to university then of course the other very very interesting um, uh, and so obvious and continues to be is about the gender and the age so here you are working you are a young person and you you are seen both as a young person and as a woman and therefore surely we can't be asking you the answers to certain questions even if we know that you know we might think you have it but you can't be good enough it's, it's very interesting and then of course which is about what you were saying earlier on you know when we were talking about what is unconscious bias and we were talking about communities and groups and whether it's football teams or whether it's um, entire countries uh, the fact that Lebanon is a country that is extremely uh, uh, mixed and has a number of religions and uh, 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 cultural differences within one little country, yet people abroad don't seem to understand that and make yeah. assumptions based on whatever little they understand of it and therefore expect you to fall into a particular pattern of, of behavior or looks or dress. So three yeah. very unusual, but three very, very different uh, aspects of, of unconscious bias. Um, but tell me a little bit more, Gita, tell us, not just me, tell us the listeners. A little bit more. So um, tell us a little bit more about perhaps work and, and what kind of learning you've taken away from that in terms of unconscious biases. You were talking about when you came from Lebanon, I remember this conversation we had the mm. last time we spoke, yeah. and, and about managers and what a manager should look like. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I have, uh, like, yeah, we talked about this actually uh, last time, Smita, about some unconscious biases that I found myself guilty of. So, like, um, um, I moved to London for a job in a big tech company, a Silicon Valley-based company. And uh, one of the good things, uh, really, um, 
about this company is that there are some mandatory training, soft trainings that we all need uh, to to take. And one of them is about unconscious bias, actually. Uh, it's a full day training. Um, and during this training, we had the opportunity to really reflect not only around biases that other subject us to, but also biases that we have, even if we have like the best intentions in the world, and even if we are ourselves subject to some biases, we could still have our own biases and subjects other too. So uh, in the process of uh, of this training, Smita, uh, I discovered that I had actually few few biases that were still there in me, but at least now I'm aware of them. One of them is related to the role of a manager. So if you ask me like one, two years back, like, Gida, do you ever want to become a manager? You say, no, no, absolutely not. Like, I had this kind of slightly negative connotation um, for the role of a manager. I associated it with being bossy, with telling people what to do, with sometimes pushing them to do stuff that they don't particularly enjoy. Um, not exactly exploitation, but may, maybe like using people to get to where you want uh, something like that um, and with time i kind of realized that this was like a very very like wrong definition of a manager a manager a good manager is actually a leader uh, who empowers others who brings out the best in others and actually a good or great manager is someone who would never tell you what to do it's someone who would just like give you the space and the confidence and the delegation and trust for you to articulate what you want to work on. And one thing that my manager told me and that really kind of hit, hit a chord in me, as they say, uh, was like, we hire, we take so much time to hire um, really good people so that these people are better than us. And so that these people tell us what we want to work on. We don't do this, so we tell them what to do. They should tell us what to do. This is why if you are a good manager, you should be confident enough to go and chase and hire people who are better than you, who are going to tell you what to do and not the other way around. And uh, I feel like, yeah, I had like this big bias around being a manager and just like, I think I flipped it around right now and I realized that I was, I was hugely mistaken. That's great because um, it, it, you know, it began to make me think that I wonder growing up Maybe you'd seen a movie. Maybe you knew of somebody who yeah. you you didn't have high regard for, who whose job title was manager. Yeah. There are some stories, you know. All our, it's our stories that impact on how we view the world. We already talked about that, and so yeah. your life stories, wherever at some point this idea of manager um, could have come from somewhere, and based on that maybe one experience, you had these assumptions. Um, that managers should look like this and should behave like this and and oh I don't ever want to be a manager because that's not my personality exactly. I don't like to control I don't want to you know I, and that obviously as you and I both know uh, does not make a good manager at all so yeah. that that is so interesting because not only have you uh, have you recognized that here again because you had open conversation within within a workplace training room that that you have an unconscious bias because it was unconscious until that particular point yeah. in time. But you've begun to reflect, you began to think. And I suspect if you have time to reflect some more, not that it's very relevant for this conversation, you might even be able to find out, aha, I remember what happened when I was eight 
somebody came who was a manager. I'm just making it up, mm-hmm. and 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 I understand why I thought managers were like so. Yeah. So that is really very very um, very interesting because certainly many of the listeners who are listening in maybe you know we be holding jobs down who may be a manager themselves or are managing other people <laughs> uh, and it doesn't matter uh, um what our, our uh, um work exactly is but it is about the whole idea of people and human beings and 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 the, and the power that you learned because of somebody saying to you that if i hire somebody i want them to be better than me so they can yeah. they can do the job well now that is empowering another human being and unless we are not aware unless we become aware of our own unconscious biases it's very difficult to empower somebody else so certainly yeah. the one plus that i have taken away from this story that you've shared shared with us is that we need to reflect and we need to 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 understand oh oh this is why i was i have this unconscious bias i need to understand why i have it and i need to do something about it fascinating fascinating geeta any other lovely stories you can share with us so you arrived if i remember correctly um to the united kingdom and i don't remember how old you were but at that point you did not speak english am i correct could you tell um, us a little bit more about that yeah sure smita so uh, actually um i arrived to uh, i arrived to the united kingdom uh, two years and a half back um yeah and i i did i did speak like i i would say like very very decent uh, english but actually when i left my home country lebanon so this was like around 12 years back i didn't speak much english to be honest uh, and although i went to france so i was i already was in a french system and uh, my mom is a french teacher so my exposure to french was was quite quite good uh, i realized soon that as i wanted to do a phd i needed to kind of have like a really good level of english which i didn't um and i had to work very hard on myself to be able to kind of acquire this level that would allow me to like write articles and go and present in conferences and seminars and so on and so forth and um yeah i mean it was not it was not an easy journey in the beginning it was like very intimidating at at many points because you needed to prepare everything and you needed to be like you know like to know a little bit by heart what are you going to say because you don't have this confidence in the language but you know like i worked on myself and and now i think my english is is quite quite good i still have this accent but it's fine um yeah so so this was also like actually like the language i would say and the accent not only the language because you can you could have a complete control over language but your accent is not completely the local accent and this can subject you to a little bit um, of of biases but then i say like i always like when i feel that someone is kind of eluding to the fact that my accent is is different um i always try to to tell them that an accent is always a proof that you do speak many languages and this in itself is is a great privilege uh, and is really like an opportunity really if if you if you're able to speak many languages this means that you're able to kind of um live i would say maybe many lives uh, or or be immersed in many identities and this in itself is a very uh, rich experience this is what makes up um interesting life that's so powerful there are a couple of things here you've said which are which I, again i want to to recap for myself and for the yeah. listeners and one of course is is the the idea of an accent and what is an accent well to yeah. begin with all human beings anywhere in the world will have an accent 
whatever yeah. language they speak. But yet, so many people have an unconscious bias connotation that if you don't speak the way I speak, then you cannot be as good as me. It comes yep. back to the right at the beginning, what you were talking about, because here too, um, accent comes in. I mean, you know, I have an Indian accent and I'm assuming that you have a Lebanese accent, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that we cannot, we don't have a c c command of the language. Um, so that I think is very interesting because I have read and heard and spoken to um, many people in the United Kingdom who are born and brought up in the country, let's call it England, not even Wales or Scotland mm -hmm. or Ireland, born and mm -hmm. brought up in England and come from the north of England to the south of England to London to work. And they are not accepted because of their accent. Yes. And they are born and brought up English. So uh, think about that. And then, so th these are the, 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 unfortunately, society and society is the way it is. We can't change the society. We can only change ourselves. Um, we have that. But the other thing that, that I, I want to flag up is your incredible sense of, self-belief uh, uh, that you felt that you could learn the language. Two and a half years ago, listeners, please notice, two and a half years ago, Gira could not speak much, much English and listen to the conversation that she and I are having right now. And what is that about? And that again comes down to our upbringing, to our sense of identity, to how we see ourselves. And of course, for that, uh, we need to, 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 to firstly thank your upbringing and your parents and then, of course, your own self-reflection and how, how you have chosen to, to do and achieve how much you have in, in such a short period of time. Um, so what else, Gita? What kind of advice can you give us, learners? You have achieved a lot uh, in, a very f in very few years. You, you were in Lebanon just 11 years ago, age 19, and you are now in London working for a Silicon Valley firm and you are also have spoken at TED Talks, you have, you have, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you have, you know, there are, there's a whole list of things that you have done and you continue to do, uh, including being a stand-up, which I think is wonderful and I look forward to, to coming and hearing you at some point. Yeah, but looking to. back, looking back, what kind of advice can you give us? Can you give me? Can you give our listeners? What learning have you taken away from your experience that you feel we can also relate to? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Smita, just like a small connection. So, like, when I came to to uh, the UK two years back, two years and a half back, I did speak, uh, like, decent English, I would say. But when I came to France, like, around 12 years back, I didn't speak any English at all. And then by the time I left, like, I would say six, five to six years back, I did, I did speak, like, good, good English. But, yeah, I didn't grow up speaking English till, like, I would say my early 20s or something like that um now coming back to to the main uh takeaways or or the advice that i would give i would say like be really humble in terms of like knowing that you too could could be um uh, could have many unconscious biases towards others uh being a good human being and having the best intentions in the world um, and being yourself someone who is subject to all forms of forms of biases doesn't make you immune to being biased against others so be humble in the sense if you feel that someone's give you either a direct or indirect feedback um, around like 
you subjecting them to some bias or you having some opinion of them that is not really rooted in, in, in truth, uh, be open to it and be open to kind of question yourself. Uh, now from the other side, if you um, are subject to unconscious bias, um, like just like try to spot it and try to know that this behavior that you are being subject to uh, has nothing to do with your performance or your character or your values. It's more about the person in front of you. Um, you can always try to have a conversation with, with this person um, and try to make them change their mind, but also be aware that some biases are just like very, very hard to change. And um, the more we talk about them, the more they become self-fulfilling. Like stereotypes are kind of self-fulfilling. So the more you you talk about them, the more the more like they are likely to to be uh, to be fixed in the minds of and hearts of of people. Uh, just know that these are biases, and they don't make the person good or bad. Uh, but same time, these biases should not make you feel good or bad about about yourself. Um, be more. Um, confident with 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 uh, who you are and in peace with with who you are and just like do your best to be the best version of yourself and then the world would adjust to you eventually oh that's so powerful and i'm glad that you were able to talk about two aspects of of unconscious bias you know what should i do about my own unconscious biases yeah. and what should i do when somebody out there says something to me because yeah. of their unconscious biases and your sentence be the best person that you can be. And it yeah. is really about being humble. So very powerful, so very simple. And that is why so very powerful. Gita, thank you so very much for having this conversation with me on The Unconscious Bias. I know the listeners would have taken away a lot as I have, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Gita. Thank you so much, Smita. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Stories of Unconscious Bias. If you enjoyed hearing this episode, do tune in every Saturday for a new interview. And if you could share, leave a review and rating, that would be hugely appreciated. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Smitha Tharoor, and feel free to suggest new guests. Until next week. <laughs>